Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode, a bonus episode for the holidays, a gift from me to you, the true final telling of the Unseelie Food Court as told by Oz. I don't think this will ever be the true and final retelling because somebody is going to eventually ask, so what was this game you guys are talking about? And well, then we just will... direct them to the episode. Okay. Okay. You don't have nope. to ever tell it again. It's done. This is your. This is it. Now there will still probably be many more questions. Yes, of I course. agree. It doesn't have to be the final telling, but this is the full telling as opposed to the pieces you've dropped. Okay, that's How fair. That? Is that fair enough then? Okay. That's very fair. All right. I don't want to take away your your right to tell this tale over and over again. You have it. You still have that with you. Right. I I still retain the rights. <laughs> this is just the, the method of distribution. <laughs> Let's let's get our base here. What is the system? How did you get involved in this game? And what character did you roll up for it? All right. So this was a Pathfinder first edition. So it's not Pathfinder 2. This is Pathfinder 1. This is... It was set in uh, on the first world plane, uh, which we'll, we'll get into. I played a Asimar Paladin, because it had been like a solid six months since I'd done tabletop, and Leland reminds me it's about a half hour before he's eating. So I I decided, like, uh, I haven't played a D&D like in several years, so I'm going to play something simple. I want to play a Paladin. Uh, I want a, a somewhat optimized Paladin, because I like big numbers. And Seraph who will get a kick out of this entire recording when he listens to it, mm -hmm. is the one who got me into this game. He says, hey, I don't know if you're interested. We just had somebody leave playing this game with three other people. And this motherfucker, I love him as a brother, but this motherfucker did not tell me a single thing about what was going on with this game. So was that not a red flag right there? It was, it was a yellow flag. A yellow flag. All right, fair. Oh, okay. So he gets me in this game. I roll this two-handed Critadin. So he's built to do critical hit after critical hit after critical hit because he's got a a Ransor. He's got with extended critical and all that stuff. So I was essentially rolling for crits on like God. By the end of it, it was like between twelve and twenty. It, this went for a couple months, but it got interesting. Okay. All right, so you uh, you roll up your your paladin, your Pathfinder one. It's been a while since you've done a D and D game, but your your bro Seraph is the one that I mean, Seraph's a good judge of character. So you roll up for the game. This is an online game. Uh huh. So you get in, and it starts. So what was that like? What happened? Okay, so before the actual first session, we had kind of a, a session point five. It wasn't a session zero because, as we have discussed on earlier episodes of Out of Character with Jupiter Sanders, you should everybody should listen. Who is listening to this? Listen to all the other episodes. I don't care if you've already done it. Do it again. Session zero. What do we do in session zero? We talk about the campaign, the themes, anything that's going to throw you off. Talk about red flags. We did none of that. It was me and the GM. And so I had built this character. He was a native of the First World Plane. He was a paladin. He had training as a 
barrister. And he was apparently an expert at debating in the um, Aslanti style, which means you go into the arena and you beat the shit out of the other person until they submit. That was news to me. So. That's not Pathfinder lore. That was just this table saying this is what it is. Or was this a decision made about your character that you were totally unaware of? This was a decision made by my character, made for my character that I was totally unaware of. So the 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 GM tells me almost nothing about the setting. He's like, "You're starting in this this city. It's called Thornwall. This is your this is your deity. You're you're uh, one of the eldest, the uh, arbiter of fate." And tell me about your character. And I says, "Okay, well, you know, he grew up in one of the orphanariums. He felt his calling towards fate. He wanted to get into law to help the downtrodden. Typical paladin bullshit." It's like, "Oh, okay." So then you're really good in the arena. I'm like, uh, excuse me, what? And he says, no, yeah, no, it's fine. So you're going to go down and do the practice thing. And so I go down to debate day at the arena <laughs> where I spend an hour blowing the crap out of everybody he throws at me. And it's it's one of those, those standards, like you start at level zero and you work your way up kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So... As as we're going through, he's dripping and driving a little bit about this lore, and the only thing that I really remember, like, four years on, is there was a lot about sword lords, and I, I learned later that this was, like, a kind of class thing, and other people can correct me on this in the future, but everybody was a sword lord, or, or some kind of, not even dragon kin, but dragon blooded, and you know, all this overpowered shit. And the DM was clearly very excited about all this. But we get to the last guy, and he's a sword lord. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to prove himself. And I'm like, all right, well, I've just gone through six other fights, but sure, whatever, come at me, bro. And because apparently I optimized my character well, I school this guy. And at the end of the fight, he gets all pissed. He's like, oh, I should have done better training. But he didn't say it like that. This was the second red flag. And I didn't understand it at the time. But once I got into the first full session, I, I, I understood that this was a red flag. Because it wasn't, oh, I need to train more. It was, oh, I need to train more. I'm supposed to be unstoppable. And it was just this, this bored quality to every single NPC that had this torturous backstory. It had had, you know full lineages you could he could the dm could recite like the the lineage of a character back to the the founding fathers of this entire fucking plane and you know how they're related to the eldest which were the gods of the setting but they all spoke with that same bored voice and i'm sitting here listening to it i'm like oh my god and i told seraph this because we were talking on another discord this is this is like you go to the mall food court and you're ordering from the bored teenager at the Dairy Queen stand. And so that's how we called this the Unseely Food Court. So that was that was the first session was roll a bunch of dice, listen to somebody really bored about stuff, and then at the end of it, find out that everything you did matters not at all. It was all pointless it's for nothing. So, I mean, it wasn't an, an exercise just to level you up. It wasn't, it, I mean, what was the purpose of going to the arena and going through a bunch of NPCs? If it served no purpose, why spend the time? 
That is a great question. I love your question. You should ask another one because I have absolutely no answer for you. <laughs> so there was literally nothing. You got nothing for the time done. It's not like the GM was saying, hey, let's just get you, make sure your character's good. Let's just put you through your paces. It was nothing like that. It was literally just an exercise. In futility. In futility. There was yeah. no reason for it. No benefit was gained. Right. So it was clear that this the Sword Lord character at the end was supposed to mean something. But there were so many unique characters in the DM's mind, he couldn't remember this one. So this one encounter I had with him was the only time he showed up in the entire campaign. Everybody else in the party had no idea he existed. Okay, so what did everybody else in the group do while your character was in the arena going through all of this? This was before, this was days before session one. Oh, so, okay. yeah, so, so they weren't doing the What's that? Was this just you and the DM alone doing this? Yes. Yes, it was. Weird. So, and, and on this, you know, on this Discord, I come in and I try and talk about it. I try and engage with the other people. And this is a four-player campaign. So there's me and there's Seraph. Mm-hmm. And there's these other two guys. Now, I know we've talked a little bit in previous episodes of Out of Character, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody should listen to it. It's Out of Character with Jupiter Saunders. Very good interview show. And these two are the epitome of that guy. Now, we're talking... They were they were over-optimized characters, but we all were because this was an arms race. And this, this much I instinctually knew. So the first one was an oracle. He was a half-elf. He was shadow and tongues or, or something like that. But the way that he was built was he was he would use whatever magics and stuff to get into the middle of melee and do all of his magical attacks and stuff. He wanted to be good at physical. He wanted to be good at, at um, sneak attacks. He wanted to be good at magic. He, he wanted to be the best at everything. So... A, a complete and utter munchkin. Now, okay. <laughs> I can respect what he was trying to do, even though it it aggravates me to no end. But this kid was also a complete asshole. Like, I to to the point where, like, I was asking Seraph about this, and I also asked the DM about this because his his attitude towards Seraph and I was dismissive on the best of days, an outright antagonistic and the worst. He had an ego problem so bad it bordered on the egomaniacal. Okay, so you have yet to have a session with everybody else so far mm-hmm. in your story. This is all, you get, you're getting all of this impression from just the conversations in the Discord. Yes. Wow. Just via text alone, you got all of that info. And yet yes. you still went to the next session. Yes, I did. A lot. Okay. I thought to myself, maybe I'm reading too far into this. You could be. It, could it couldn't be. possibly that bad. Yes, you, you do have a, a heightened sense of paranoia, which I, I take from all your time shadow running. Yes, you this is Very so. high paranoia. So, I do. Okay. Okay. So, okay. First session. So mm-hmm. first session... I am told by my orders masters that I'm going to report to the palace. I'm going into court with the king. He has an offer to to extend to me. 
I say, hey, great, adventure hook, let's go. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. You're going to go see the king, and he's going to make an offer. That sounds pretty great. Right? So I, yeah. I step in, and, you know, Conrad, the paladin, he's uh, arbiter of fate. He's feeling pretty good. He goes, your majesty, and utterly ignored. What? So this guy just just talks this big game. He's, he's sending this, this uh, trade delegation to the most serene Republic of Kios, and we'll get into that because it's a couple sessions down the way, <clears throat> and goes on and on and on about all this political stuff that's going on and singing the praises of some two assholes that are about to come in. <laughs> and so the door opens, and in come the, these two guys. It's an oracle and a wizard. One's a human, one's a half-elf. And there's also a dragon disciple. That's what the class was, dragon disciple. Everybody in this fucking campaign that is an npc is either a dragon disciple or a sword lord or a sword lord and dragon disciple or a dragon disciple swordling i swear to fucking god i thought they were all nymphs that is also true <laughs> okay. Right. okay 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 so okay. They, they, two assholes come in got it these two, these two guys come in and so they've got a and so the wizard's got a dragon disciple on one arm and this was red flag number three why? Because the Dragon Disciple NPC goes, Hi, Grandpa, what do you have for us? And the king replies, Hello, daughter. Hello, son-in-law. And the wizard starts beaming. And I'm like, Motherfucker. No. Oh. Why no, is no, that no. a red flag now? This is a red flag because the, the, the players have been given such a position of power over the other players, namely Seraph and I. Mm-hmm that it's clear that the campaign is revolving around them. Now, there's there's other stuff going on that's at play here. Like, uh, the the wizard is literally the brother of the oracle. They're, they're both brothers in real life. They're playing in the same game. They both have the same issues. But it's the oracle to watch out for because he's got, you know, secret plans, TM, heavy air quotes, that he thinks he's being chill as all and, and, and sneaky about hiding from everybody else while hinting at it. But it was incredibly obvious that stuff was going on. And this got a lot greater uh, than I expected as time went on. But mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, tortured backstory, what the fuck ever. So it's made clear that these two, the wizard is the archmage of the realm. We're level eight. Wow. Yeah. So apparently these two, and Seraph, and, and Seraph told me this after the fact, um, Seraph's previous character, which was a ranger, helped overthrow the old king and install this guy in their place. So of course he's eternally grateful. The adventuring company that they formed was given a, a, a official recognition, and they, were, uh, they ran the Adventurers Guild of Thornwall. Okay, fantastic. At well, meet. They they made level eight going in there. They did this at like level six. Oh my gosh. So apparently this campaign had been running for about six months. They started at level one. So they're level eight. Okay. They had four players. One took off. I never found out why. But you never asked why. Do you feel that was a mistake on your part? I had an incredible mistake. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find out why? I never did find out why, but Seraph, I'm sure when he hears this, will remind me that he told me, and I was so drunk that I couldn't remember. <laughs> okay, all right. So, 
So they walk in, you find out the king is related to the, the wizard, and the wizard is related to the oracle, and now you're like, oh shit, these guys have a lot of power, and right. I've just walked into this. Also, you've had several things about your character already given to you, like said, right. this is part of your story, period, mm -hmm. which is kind of a removal of player agency. Uh, yes. Yes, and that the removal flavor agency is going to be a watcher because that reminds me of other things that happened, um, <laughs> which will tie in the nymphs and everything yes. else. Um, so, yeah. okay, all right. So, uh, are anything else major in that one, or are we ready to go into like what's your next session then? Like, so what, okay, what, so what happens then? There's there's a lot to unpack in the first session because it starts out wow. with this. Okay. And, you know, the, the offer that's made to me and to Seraph's second character, this Magus, is that we're going to go along with these two guys in the trade delegation to make sure it gets this most serene Republic of Chaos, which is a thinly veiled version of Venice, uh, which I will describe in detail in session four, three. Anyway, the goal was get the, get, get the delegation to Chaos. Only the second that we end the social encounter, because that's what it was, the trade delegation ceases to exist. It's just us. So we are, uh, like, I I introduce myself to Seraph. Seraph introduces himself to me. We're like, all right, cool, chill. We try to introduce ourselves to the wizard and the oracle, to which they completely ignore everything we have to say. It's like, okay, it's time to go to Kaios. Bye. And without even asking if we're ready, they're just like, get in the fucking car, Conrad. It was it was terrible. Hmm. What did you wish they, they that happened instead? What what did you think would happen? Basic social interaction, I guess. It's it's team just... building kind of a thing because you're a new player in a group. You thought there'd be a little interaction amongst players to kind of build something, right? A rapport. Right. Yeah. So instead of that interaction that building that rapport amongst the player, the PCs. Instead, it was more of a, look, you were just the missing piece we needed. We've delayed enough. Let's just go. And it wasn't even that. This was the first that they were hearing of this whole thing. This was literally, we are not interested in anything you have to say. Mm -hmm. We are moving this story along because the, your part of it does not interest us. Okay, but they got to have their social interaction, but when it came time for you to do yours, that was just shut down. Correct. Okay. And this was this this is a, another recurring theme of many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And another red flag, which uh, yes. did not deter you. It did not because I forgot the the most solid rule of D and D, which is no game is better than a bad game. All right, I'm going to challenge you on this one. Okay. Okay. Seraph, your bro, uh -huh. wanted you to play in this game. He did. Was it harder to go, look, look, man, there's just too many red flags? Or did you go, ah, it's Seraph, he really wants me to play. I'll stick it out. It can't be this bad, I'll stick it out. It can't be this bad, I'll stick it out. There you go. Yeah. Okay. And and that's fair. That's fair to go, look, my, my, my bro's in it. He wanted me to play. I want to play too. I'm going to stick it out. Maybe it'll get better. Who knows? Let's see what yeah. happens next. You know, I'm new. Let's make some excuses. You know, they'll, I'll, they're just ice queens. I got to defrost them. You know, we'll, it'll be all in good fun. We're all in this together. This is a, 
This is a team game. There is no I in team, but there apparently is a me. And I wasn't at. So, still first session. We are on the road, and we get into the Forest of the Bloodied Knights, I think it was. Like, Haunted Forest. Just We'll just say Haunted Forest. And, gosh. We, we come up upon this wagon. And the wagon has three, three tieflings just kind of surrounding it. Now, they're very clearly evil. I know this because I am a paladin. I detect evil. And by detecting evil, I discover that they were indeed evil. So, you know how I operate. Uh-huh. I don't just, you know, un- unleash hell. I, I try and talk it out first. Uh-huh. And this is when I found out that the the dm had a very on the rails style of uh operating in play so he would he he expected if it was bad that i would kill it if it was good i would entreat with it and if it was neutral and it decided to move to evil then again i would kill it i didn't fit that mold so the oracle goes well i'm the I, I'm the diplomat because I've got the highest charisma score, to which I'm like, uh, no, you don't. And he decides to try and talk with them, so he rolls up and says, hey. And I immediately follow up with, hail travelers, I see you've got an issue with your wagon, what seems to be the problem. And we start this, and we immediately go to combat. Okay, fine. Now, the problem here is that when I set my character off to be approved, I found out the DM didn't actually look at it. He kind of trusted me to not know what I was doing, apparently, which is fair. I didn't. Mm-hmm. But it also meant that he hadn't looked at my most basic class abilities, primarily with which is, well, Smite Evil, mm-hmm. which in, in the first world setting, a paladin is naturally OP because everything is considered on the first world plane to be an outsider and so if i encounter an evil outsider it's automatic double damage on a smite and i'm built to do critical hits so i'm doing a lot of damage and i trivialize every single one of his encounters he hates it (laughs) this gets super important later when we get to the most serene republic of (laughs) kaios so long fight what was supposed to be a long fight goes short we waste two of these tieflings, and I turn the third. That was really interesting. So we get the uh, we get the lowdown from the survivor. He says that they were be- they were sent by their succubi masters. Not everything is a nymph. Just <laughs> these are evil nymphs now. Succubi. Mm-hmm. So they were taking nymphs. And they were doing some dark ritual shit deeper in the forest. There's a fortress back there. It's really cool. It's, you know, something to invade later. And I'm like, hell yeah, I could storm a castle. It'll be great. And then we get the hit with the, oh, but you're obviously not strong enough to handle that right now. Normal shit. You just untainted a king and inserted a new king, a new regime. What do you mean you're not strong enough? Right. So you're level eight. Obviously you're strong. Yeah. Level eight. Not strong enough. Okay. All right. So we go, we find this nymph, the first of many. Yes. 
And so this bitch, and I say that with whatever respect I can muster, but this bitch wants to go to a desert grove. She's leaving the nymph forest of nymphiness, which is being taken over by succubi. So, okay, I can respect that. And she is going out to the middle of the desert to find an oasis to set up a new nymph grove, because that is something that nymphs apparently do. And she got this wagon from somewhere. I don't know. She probably nymphed somebody and traded for it. And she's got a cactus. And she's going to the desert. My first thought is, ma'am, where did you find a cactus in the middle of a forest? Mm -hmm. I never found an answer for that. Whatever. We end the first session agreeing to take this bitch with us across the desert, which apparently there's a desert there now, uh, on our way to Kaios. So I think our our wizard and our oracle said less than 25 words to Seraph and I that entire session. And so there's more red flags that happen because Seraph, again, I love him like a brother, but this son of a bitch, is able to drop from this game at will with medical problems and problems with this kid. And I've met them both. I know he's not bullshitting, but goddamn, if it wasn't just so convenient. But that was the first session. So, like, at what point did Seraph get out of the game? Before the second session? Seraph did not. He he started dropping from individual games starting around the the second session. Second session, he dropped, like, halfway through because um, his kid was having an issue. Okay, so so now your your group is now escorting somebody who has a cactus of unknown origin. Correct. For some reason you guys are now obliged to escort them. We don't know why. It just feels like uh, the GM just kind of forced it. Uh, yeah, this was kind of a thing on rails. Now, th- these particular rails is fine because Conrad is a paladin, paladin of fate. Clearly, they are fated to guide this bitch to a grove, and plant her ass in what little water this desert has. I am willing to roll with this if it means we actually get to do some FaceTime with Seraph and I rather than just the Blunder Twins. Okay. So that was that was the first session. Now the second session is really difficult to remember for a couple of reasons. <laughs> One, which I'm sure you're aware, mm-hmm. I started drinking very heavily. Yes. During this campaign. Yes, you did. Because I remember being in another Discord where you would just randomly make statements about the game you were in. Yeah. And you got progressively <laughs> drunker. And the statements got progressively more random. Uh, and it was amazing. It was yeah. the uh-huh. best. It was like, what is happening in your game? Because we would just get these random lines. And we're like, what is going on in this game? It was great. Yes. Okay. So you started drinking to cope. Which I started drinking. Do, it's a fair plan. Okay. Right. Second thing, <laughs> as I said, this is the Unseelie Food Court. Everybody has a unique name with a unique backstory and a full lineage with the same voice, so everybody bleeds together. Now, when you're drinking heavily, this is a bad thing. But <laughs> this 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 entire session was so forgettable. I literally cannot remember a single syllable of the Barbarian King's name. But there's a barbarian king, you ask. Yes, says Oz, there was. And the only reason I remember is because we saved his ass. 
Wow. You guys so, go around saving kings, apparently. That I know. And we didn't even get a level out of it. Wow. I know. Okay. okay. So by the You're end, we saved... anyway. I wouldn't give you another right. level. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so we ro the second session starts. I'm there with Seraph. We're just we're basically doing that that uh, banal I spy with my little eye, something that starts with B. Is it a bush? Yes. So we're remarking on this and it's driving the wizard and the oracle up the wall because we're trying to engage with them, but they really don't want to. And we get to we get over this hill and we hear the sound of combat. And it turns out there's another like it's not a battalion of tieflings, but it's like maybe a half company of tieflings that are engaged in combat with a a a, a core of well-armed, well-armored barbarian warriors. I know they are barbarians because that is what the DM called them. They are barbarians. We know this. That is the only detail we know of the barbarians. <laughs> and so... Like, uh, Seraph and I say, okay, why should we get involved? And as we finish that, the Oracle casts Fly, flies right into the middle of combat. The wow. wizard starts casting maximized, non-lethal fireballs. What? Yeah. So non-lethal fireball look like? Like a, a, a tanning bed? Or... You know, it... <laughs> So thirsty? What? What happens there? Uh, apparently, so the the wizard has this, and, and this this was you could set a clock to it. Every combat, he would cast one of two spells: a maximized non-lethal fireball, or a maximized non-lethal snowball. That's it. Those are the only spells he had in his repertoire. Oracle would cast fly. He'd get into the middle of combat. And if his swords weren't doing anything, because he couldn't roll for shit, he'd start casting spells because he'd go into a complete tizzy. Like, full-on tangies. It was incredible. <laughs> we managed to chase him off of the Discord once or twice because he just he wasn't holding a candle to, to Seraph and I. And this is another reason why we were just treated like the furniture. So they, the other two people... So there's this thing happening... That mm -hmm. really you don't have to engage in. You and Seraph are like, eh, we don't need to be involved in that. Let's just go where we're supposed to go. But apparently the other two were like, no. Like, they don't even talk about it. They just do it. We are going to engage. Does it seem like those two in the DM are on a playbook and you and Seraph don't have the playbook? Yes. Uh, okay. Remember, this mm -hmm. entire campaign is about them. Yes. So do you feel that the GM kind of like talked to them privately and said, hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Yeah, I do. Wow. I, I feel like that was what was going on. That's terrible. Uh, yeah. And what was super terrible is that Conrad the Paladin and Seraph's Magus go in and they single-handedly wipe the field clean of these tieflings, thereby mm -hmm. saving the Barbarian King. The wizard kept on doing his non-lethal fireballs, which, okay, they're non-lethal. Fantastic. Great. You're not a killer. That's, that's awesome. And the Oracle can't hit for shit and is pissing him off. So we finish this fight and a barbarian rides up and he's got 
more barbarian hair than the others, more barbarian armor than the others, and more barbarian axes than the others. So clearly he's very important. I cannot tell you his name. I cannot tell you what he looks like other than the aforementioned details. All I know is that he is the barbarian king, and we have saved him. And so he's going to take us back to his barbarian village in his barbarian kingdom in his barbarian desert. Because he is he's the barbarian king of the barbarian desert. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. So right. I'm like, okay, yeah, we'd be glad to help you out. And then the oracle swoops in and says, what the paladin means to say is, we'll be glad to help you out. I'm like, motherfucker, did you just repeat what I said and take all the credit for it? Did yeah. you just translate English to English for me? Yes, he just, he just translated English to English for me. And the kicker is, <laughs> the DM allowed it. The DM would not engage with my character whatsoever until a point ahead in the story when disturbing details are revealed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So right now you're kind of if so really it seems like the GM and these two other players could have done this campaign without you and Seraph, but for some reason they felt they needed you and Seraph, but they didn't want to play with you and Seraph. But if you had not engaged in combat, they would have died, or the GM would have had to fudge something. Yes. So they lived. So for some reason they felt your two characters were necessary to their campaign I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it is i would like to know as well now <laughs> one one detail that that came up with seraph after we ended this thing because we we stepped away from the campaign permanently at the same time that's at the end mm-hmm. of the story mm-hmm. this detail is important the biggest reason why seraph was still there and by extension i was is because Seraph owned the Discord and the Roll20 table that this entire campaign was on. Everything was done through him. They never friended themselves. They never friended any of us. Which means that once the Discord server is removed, you can't directly message them without having friended them. He was the linchpin of communication. And they forgot that. And so when we finished, it killed the campaign because they couldn't get back into into touch with one another. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And all their information on the Discord was also gone, I assume. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, spoiler for everyone. Now you know how it ends. Now you know how it ends. But let's finish the journey. Okay. All right. So, next session? Um. No, end of this session. Oh, okay. So we, we go back to the the barbarian town in barbarian desert mm-hmm. and the guys just like we have our own oracle and our oracle immediately goes oh fantastic and just fucks off from the party to go talk about personal secrets with the barbarian oracle oh, meaning so the dm talk shop okay cool yeah cool. that's fine go go ahead cool right and so i'm like okay well we'll do some shopping we'll we'll find some stuff out and then we'll move on. Only to find out this is, again, a barbarian town full of barbarian people with barbarian weapons and barbarian armor. Do you know what they did not have for sale at any shop in barbarian town with all these barbarian things? Barbarian. Weapons for <laughs> martial classes. Armor ah. for martial classes. All they had was magical items perfect for spellcasters like oracles and wizards. <gasps> really? 
really, there was not wow. a single instance in this entire campaign where I was able to buy a single thing from a single vendor. It was always, always magical items for wizards and for oracles. That's it. Did you not, like, I mean, just go, like, time out? What do you mean they don't have any weapons? Like, that literally doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, why did you did you ever go time out? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I need you to explain this. I did. And what was told to me was that we were on an automatic bonus progression system. And it's an optional system in Pathfinder where in order to stem the tide for certain builds, of which I learned mine was one, automatic <laughs> bonus progression says instead of getting a normal like chain mail plus one you would gain affinity with whatever armor that you're wearing as your levels went up. Okay. But this also meant that somebody who was reliant on armor class and modifications to armor class in order to stay competitive immediately loses any and all ability to stay competitive because you get dex bonuses to AC, they stack. But there's nothing that would stack with a full plate wearer until I complained to the GM about this and disturbing details were revealed. So I would stay forever at a max armor class of like 20 wearing full plate because I couldn't get a full plate plus five because I didn't have dex bonuses that would apply to heavy armor, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But this is also why there was absolutely nothing that a paladin could use for magical items because everything that would be good for them is a solid numerical bonus which is not allowed in automatic bonus progression systems so i was a tank that couldn't tank hmm and that that just kind of makes you feel like a, a targeted or gimped in some way or yeah I wouldn't call it targeted because that was agreed upon before I before I started this campaign. And I didn't really understand what ABP was, but it did strike me as unusually unfair that anything that would be good that could could offer that kind of bonus never existed. But stuff that gave solid intelligence buffs, wisdom buffs, things like that, that could further augment a wizard or other spellcasting class were widely available. But that's where we ended the second session, was that was that little revelation. Okay. I, I assume a lot of frustration at that point when you yeah, ended a that lot, session. A lot of frustration. And I took a month off after this because I told them when I started this, I do not role play in the month of July because my daughter flies out for the summer. We have a great time. I'm going to Colorado for a week. We ride motorcycles. We sit in hot springs. It's great. I'm not getting on the game. They said, okay, no problem. So they put me in a magical sleep for a month. And when I wake up, we're in session six now. It's the Serene Republic of Chaos. This is the Merchant Republic of Venice. So for me, it's session three. We've got canals. We've got the Borgias, we've got a Pope, we've got the Doge, we've got the Dons. Like, it is Venice in everything, literally, but name. And they've been here for two sessions. So I message the DM, I'm like, all right, I was gone for a month. What was I doing? It's like, oh, you were sleeping, you were dreaming. 
And so he gives me before the game starts a quick like 20 minute session where I'm in a dream state listening to the gods of the plane talk about this this there's some sort of incursion going on and nobody knows what what it is and I'm sitting here over here like they're succubi and they're working for somebody which means that the abyssal army is coming to invade the plane this is pretty obvious but this is me we're talking about which means that nobody listens to me <laughs> mm. okay so okay i wake up i go downstairs i see the others and i'm like look i've just had this dream and i that's as far as i get before the oracle goes oh look he's finally awake i'm like oh this motherfucker okay this is not <laughs> just the character this is the player being a prick hmm okay i'm gonna let it slide okay and i go on to tell him it's like just had a dream you know the gods spoke to me yeah what do the gods say uh that they don't have anything to do with what's going on oh well, we already knew that and i'm like uh dm what's the fucking point of this entire <laughs> like solo session you did beforehand no answer so another session where it's just you and the GM that uh -huh. was a bunch of stuff, but it had zero relevance. It was a complete waste of time. It could have just not existed. Correct. Okay. So, okay, we're, we're in this Republic. We have another one of these court sessions with the Dawn, who is apparently related to the Oracle in some way through blood of marriage, because why the fuck not? And they've been running around for two sessions trying to figure out why all these cultists are popping up and all this other stuff is going on. Like, well, if you knew that the eldest, the gods of the plane, weren't involved in this, then why is this still a question of what's going on? No answer. And I'm like, okay, well, you've, you guys have been putting these fires out, haven't you? So they, they don't have a lot of power. No answer. And then... I'm in the middle of this meeting with everybody where I'm not allowed to talk, and a guard comes in saying that a, a peasant rabble has amassed, and they're invading to, to cast down the nobility of the city. To which I'm like, hey, this is really fucking cool. Can I join in? Workers of the World Unite. And I was told, no, they were bad. So I'm like, well, shit, I've got to kill a whole bunch of commoners now. What do you mean they were bad? Aren't you the judge of that? You're the paladin. I'm the paladin. And I am told that they are bad. I'm like, no, I want to make that, that, that decision. I'm not allowed to make that decision. Well, fuck. What is the point of being a paladin? Yeah, you're not allowed to throw in with the commoners because you're now part of the bourgeoisie. Right. I am. I am. Right. So, as a paladin. So, we are told that we are going to take a company of archers with us to hold the western gate or the western bridge and they're going to throw everything they can at the eastern bridge because they've done absolutely no reconnaissance they've had not kept their ear to the ground for any of this it is very clearly the the general people of of Kaios are rising up to eat the rich and they had no idea that it was happening and honestly i kind of believe it because okay. the rich are pretty stupid Okay. Now, number one, they don't really know who you are, because if you know Oz even just for, you know, an hour, you know that he will eat the rich. Yes, absolutely. He will eat the rich in a second. 
Okay. In a second. Well, no, in 15 minutes, because that's how long it would take me to make a hollandaise sauce. <laughs> I digress. Um, the other thing, Oz, is a storyteller himself. Do you feel the GM was trying to tell a story, but was just ultimately an incredibly bad storyteller that was just misusing tropes? So throughout this campaign, I came to discover that, yes, he is trying to tell a story. He's He's trying to write a book. And the characters in his book keep fucking things up. Well, a character named Conrad keeps fucking things up. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is very clearly, this is a set piece. He loves his set pieces. He wants this to happen. I relent. Okay. I am going to go against the grain here of my order. They are fated to lose. This breaks my heart. But let's take this company of archers. We'll hold the western side. You will throw literally everything else at the eastern side, and then we'll we'll figure things out afterwards. Gotta go rescue the does or some shit. Who knows? So we go out to the western bridge, and this is another one of those sets where everything we do doesn't matter because the DM has not quite researched how things work. So. The first rabble of peasants comes across this bridge. They're all in brand new breastplates. They all have brand new long swords, 30 of them. Only thing I can think of is, hold on. Where are they getting the funding for that? It's all uniform. No answer. Hmm. And the archers fire. And the DM says, okay, well, the archers are firing. And he rolls the dice. And they kill them all. Wow. What do you mean? So it turns out that the DM was rolling a D100 percentile die in order to find out the percentage of the mobs that the archers would kill before they engaged the party. He rolled a 94. So he killed nine and a half of every 10 people. There was literally one person left. You immediately got hit with a maximized non-lethal fireball. Again. Blown off the bridge. What was the point if the GM was going to put it there and then take it away and not have you interact with it? Right. Why do this? Why waste the time? Is the scene playing in his mind in a movie kind of format and it made him happy? But meh. I think so. I think that was what was supposed to happen. But he, he committed the cardinal sin in letting the he was rolling dice for things that he shouldn't have been rolling for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But back to the whole question about where they get their funding, having been a GM for you and you coming up with some fucking questions, you know, I, 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 I'm with the GM on this one. I'm not going to give you the general accounting of the kingdom. Sorry. I don't know where the funding came from. There's a donor. There's a doge somewhere. Deal There's a it. doge somewhere. Deal with we'll it. Get to, we're going to get to the doge. We're going to deal with the doge. <laughs> Because okay. that was that was that was the disturbing implications that came to light, and this is what caused me to start streaming this goddamn travesty after this. <laughs> okay, let's hear. Five waves, five waves of peasants. We're talking. We killed a hundred and fifty well-armed, breastplate-wearing, long-sword-wielding peasants with sergeants, and we didn't get to hit a single one because this GM would roll excess of 85% on every single 
round. So it would be he would roll first, the archers would fire. 85% of them are dead. There's six people left. Maximized non-lethal snowball. They're all gone. Five rounds. Even the boss could not survive. We, Seraph and I did absolutely nothing that whole fight. There was nothing that we could do. So we took to making a game where every time one of these two would be shitty to us, generally it's the Oracle, in character, one of us would hold up a finger. And the next time it happened, one of us would hold up two fingers, and so on and so forth. And the, po the point behind this game was, as the number kept getting higher and then we got into combat, that would be the number of rounds that we would wait at the edge of engagement range before we would come in and save them because they were being so shitty. It, it was pretty great. I'm digressing again. So we hold the Western Bridge with no casualties, no sweat off of our brow. It's done. And then we find out that the east side is falling. That everybody's retreating back to the, the, the castle or the manor or whatever the fuck it is on this island that we're on. And we had to go find the doge. Okay, fine. Let's go find the doge. It's going to be more interesting. So we get to the doge's palace somehow. We wade through. All of a sudden, there's nobody left on the street. Yeah, the GM killed them all. The GM killed them all. <laughs> so we step into this this palace, and there's nothing in here. There's nothing in here. This is kind of boring. There's a locked door. Okay, so I'm going to go open this door, and the oracle says, no, I need to check for traps. I'm like, bitch, you were not a rogue. What do you mean? <laughs> he checks for traps, doesn't find any traps. He looks into the keyhole, and he sees a moth, a giant moth. I'm like, what, what the fuck do you mean it's a moth? So they're dream moths. These giant, and I mean giant moths, like size of horses, have been captured by cultists, put in the Doge's palace for reasons, and they were waiting for us, and the gods of the realm are going to do something with us, but we have to go do something with the Doge first. I'm like, yes, let's go see the Doge. And so we step into the room before the 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 doge's chambers and, we're, and i'm like all right hold up what's our plan and the wizard and the oracle go well we're going to sneak in and see what we see and then we're going to attack I'm like okay i'm with you but i am a paladin in full plate armor with no dex bonus what do you expect me to do and they look at me and they say we don't expect you to do anything wow all right so I'm going to hang back, and I'm not going to do anything until it's very clear that they are not going to succeed. And so they open up the door, and there is a witch, a class witch, standing there. They immediately get spotted. Witch goes invisible. And I'm like, good job, guys. That was great. And they completely ignore this witch, this very dangerous spell-casting being in their midst. They completely ignore her being invisible to go into the next room, the, the room where the doge is. And he's currently apparently being sacrificed by cultists. Now, before I go further, you will remember this, because the cultists are in yellow robes. And so is the doge. And so, combat starts. 
I use up all my movement actions to dash past what everybody else is doing, because it doesn't matter. I got to get to the doge, because I'm going to hit him with a positive energy channel. I need to stop the ritual, because I know something bad's going to happen. So I get up there, I smack him with positive energy. It does damage instead of healing. That only happens when something is undead. And then the skin bubbles off, the fat burns away, and a giant figure in yellow robes emerges, to which I say on the Discord, which you are listening, what the fuck, we're fighting Haster. <laughs> and it was. It was the Disciple of the King in yellow. Mm-hmm. And it's this big boss fight, and the DM's like, yeah... He's doing this, he's doing that. I'm like, okay, this is really cool and all, but I have two questions for you, both of which that, that Conrad will instinctively know. Okay, first question, is he evil? Yes, obviously. Cool. Second question, is he considered an outsider? Question, also, yes. Great. I have a third question for you. Does a 36 hit his AC? Well, yeah. Okay, so I hit with a 36. That's a critical. I'm going to confirm that critical. That's a critical again. Hey, that's great. I'm going to go ahead and roll damage. I'm also smiting, so that's double damage on that, plus it's a crit on a Ransor, so that's times three. And so I take this boss to nothing in three rounds, while the other two, the Oracle and the Wizard, are trying to find this witch. And Seraph is taking care of the other cultists. I kill the king in yellow in three rounds. And okay. when we do, the DM says, you weren't supposed to be able to do that. Well, I mean, it looks like no matter what, you didn't even have a chance to stop him from showing up. Like, it was going to happen no matter what. Mm -hmm. And and I've been in the GM seat where I planned something and the players came at it from a different direction and ended up blowing the whole thing up. Okay, the players that that's the players' reward. They did right. that great. Great. But your GM was upset because you've just you weren't supposed to do that. There were supposed to be more happening. You've now ruined something. We've now ruined something because we were supposed to lose that battle. We were supposed to be killed. We were supposed to be recovered by the gods of the plane. And the gods of the plane call down holy fire and completely nuke the city. But we won. Which means that on winning, the gods of the realm recover us in the form of their dream moss. They cocoon us so we don't get hit when they call down the sky and nuke the city from orbit anyway. We stopped the evil, they still destroyed the city. Because it had to happen, because that's the way the DM wrote it. So even though you beat the big bad evil guy, the GM still said, no, my thing's moving forward. Period. Yep. Mm -hmm. Instead of just maybe finding a new way, like maybe you just gain the gods' favors. Maybe uh, why, why does the city have to be destroyed? You stop the evil. What's happening? Like, why? So, again, this is the sign of the GM just trying to tell his story. Player be damned. Yes. Okay, so how many sessions are we in now? Four? So that was that was session three okay. for me. So um, 
so and I missed a month, so that was mm -hmm. technically, I guess, session six. Session six. But three sessions for you, and this is just from your POV. Three mm -hmm. sessions for you. You have seen a lot, a yeah. lot of red flags. Oh yes. And yet it's... you are still plowing through this thing. And yeah. we haven't even gotten to like some of the worst of it. We correct. Cause when we finished this fight and we and we he did have to reward us, and he rewarded us earlier than he was expecting to. And he gave us mythic levels. And mythic levels in Pathfinder it is bring absolutely you stupidly ridiculous. overpowered. There's no reason to even play the game because you, as one person, can annihilate an entire army on a battlefield. It's ridiculous. I played it once, and I could not understand, like, what is the point of having this much power? There's yes. no challenge. Odds. Oh. Time skip, 18 months. Next session, we bust out of these cocoons. We're in the remains of the Doge's palace in his treasury, which is the most secure room in the palace. The entire city is a ruin. The island where we were based that we did entirely it was by the map. I mean, this fucking island picked itself up and flew away before the stars came down and obliterated the city. So we're in the treasury. And I'm forever proud of this because the Oracle and the wizard are scrambling to and fro, trying to collect every single gold piece that was left in the Doge's palace. You remember when I asked who was funding everything? It was this Doge. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we're in the realm of 15,000 gold pieces. And the Oracle's saying out loud in character about all the shit he's going to buy with 15,000 gold pieces. And I say two things. One, we should be splitting all of that equally. Second, that gold doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the survivors of the Republic of Kios. And he's you are pissed. A paladin. You I'm are a paladin. paladin. And it is what your character would say. It absolutely is. And splitting everything evenly is just, I think, a general party rule. But these players really thought, no, if, if I grab it, it's mine. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I say this, and he stops. And the oracle says, no, it's, that's mine. I'm like, no, it's not ours, and it's not yours. It belongs to the Republic. We are not thieves. And I can tell, I could tell he wanted to start casting. But he also remembered in the last session, it wasn't we that defeated the king in yellow. I 1v1 the king in yellow and won without a scratch which means that he's going to get obliterated if he lifts a finger against me. This is, this is brinksmanship to the extreme. And so the DM in the last, the last backing he has for me and my character says, Conrad is right. You're not going to get that money. That's like, oh, ho. well, things are looking up. They were not looking up. He gave you one positive thing and you were like, oh, things are changing. Sucker. No. Nope. All right. So I'm. I am going to point this out. The whole you and Seraph, you know, play turning that combat thing into a game of holding a finger up, and that's how many rounds you'd wait before you'd go in and and save them. Mm -hmm. That is a very uh, high level of 
uh, an antagonism mm -hmm. towards other players. Now, I understand they were antagonistic towards you as well, but then you also just, you know, you went right back. And now we get to this point where you feel one player is ready to, like, start casting, uh, go PvP, and you were like, I am ready to do it. Let's yeah. go. Mm -hmm. Do you feel bad about how it went, or do you just feel this was just the course? It was going to take this was inevitable or could you have done anything to stop it i could not have done anything to stop this in fact if i hadn't if we hadn't even started the whole thing it would have changed nothing because the player in question never changed his attitude towards us mm -hmm. in character or out of character what we did meant nothing to him because it didn't affect him personally now we're pretty certain that he had um, serious social issues. But, you know, we, we basically assumed at the time that he was on the spectrum. He probably had Asperger's. In fact, his brother eventually confirmed it, that he did have Asperger's, and that he was accustomed to getting his way. His folks just didn't challenge him on anything. They just gave him whatever he wants. And that's all he's ever known. Hmm. But when it came to the, the ICOC divide, he didn't have it. He just mm -hmm. straight didn't have it. And I see he's dismissive as best at best in my eyes. And so Conrad's not going to just draw down on somebody. He's going to let somebody else make the first move. Mm -hmm. But the moment passed we continued on and um, we basically said, or the DM said, if there are no survivors, then you can keep the money. And there were survivors, so he couldn't keep the money. So we go through, we collect survivors throughout the city. We find out we've been gone for 18 months. We say, all right, we're going to take you back to the barbarian kingdom of barbarians in the desert of barbarians in the barbarian desert. And we're going to get you rehomed because this place is a total write-off. Now, don't worry. We've got enough funds to set up all of these survivors so you can build your own city and everything will be great. And they're like, hell yeah, let's get the fuck out of here before whatever has come to infest these ruins comes for us like they have been for the past 18 months. And I'm like, what? I never know what it is because we never encounter it. We are there in Kios for less than a day before we pick up the entire city, whoever survives. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we're taking y'all back to Thornwall. So we do this uneventful roll across the desert back to the barbarian city. And we're like, barbarian king, king forgettable. What's up? The oracle immediately runs off to do oracle things with the barbarian oracle. And this is more personal story advancement. Mm -hmm. Seraph is gone. He's gone for like three weeks. And I'm like, motherfucker, where are you? And he's like, you don't get it. My eye is twitching so badly. I, I have a migraine. I can't play this game right now. I'm like, okay. I believe you because you are my brother and I love you. Never do this to me again. <laughs> and so we find out from King Forgettable, the barbarian king, and the nymph that we dropped off in the middle of the desert to go start a grove that the the blood knights in the forest of nightly blood are still doing their bullshit and and things are getting worse and and you need to stop them and i'm like so gm 
the only thing we've gotten is a mythic level since I started this campaign. We're still level eight. Why are we strong enough now to finish things? Oh, I should give you levels. And so he bumps us up to 10. Thanks, GM. <laughs> oh, I should give you levels. <laughs> oh, I should give you levels. Sometimes as a GM, you forget. <laughs> Sometimes you do. Like, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to fault them for it. I'm not going to fault them for it. But I can't I can't shake that everybody's just, oh, well, you're going to have to go stop the the succubus queen from doing her evil rituals. You're going to have to talk to the other nymphs of the groves around the fortress in order to get their help before the big battle. You're going to have to destroy the scouting parties sent out by the fortress before the big battle so you can gather your armies. And because you helped the barbarian king the one time, the barbarian king is going to help you. I was asleep. I was dead ass asleep. <laughs> and the only reason I remember this is because somebody wrote it down. <laughs> so basically, he, the GM said, look, for you to do this thing, you'd have to do this, 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 and this. So yeah. you've got all your, your four-part quest is now in place. You now know the, the outline of basically all you're going to do now. Yeah. That's kind of meh, isn't it? Like, why, oh, does, why does it have to be that way? Why can't I come at it from a different way? Right. Because you plot it out because GM. Okay. Because GM. Because yeah. GM. Mm -hmm. And so off you know, off we go. We we tell the people that are with us, I'm like, look, this is on the way back to Thornwall. Chill with us for a while. We're gonna get this figured out. They're like, okay, no problem. You're paying us fifteen thousand gold, which Conrad is like, You're goddamn right. <laughs> we are not keeping a single copper coin of this hoard we took from the Serene Republic of Chaos. How loud can I say this in earshot of the Oracle who's not going to get a single dime of this money because it's all going to the people? And it turns out I could get pretty loud. Mm -hmm. So we go back to this fucking forest. Now, I told you during session one, we had one tiefling survivor from that very first encounter. So Conrad made such an impression on this tiefling that he went from neutral evil to neutral good and then to lawful good and became a paladin of the very same order that Conrad was a part of. Wow. And he was the sole reason that the nymphs had not been overtaken by the tieflings and their succubus masters. All right. Kudos to him. So he's in this church that is completely stacked with dead monk bodies, which was the rest of this order that Conrad was a part of that was outside of Thornwall. And he's like, oh yeah, all of this stuff happened. And Conrad's like, well, I mean, good on you for defending yourself, but there's a lot of dead people here. Why haven't you done anything about it? He's like, oh yeah, this happened like 50 minutes ago. And I'm like, oh my God, this just happened. <laughs> As the doors behind us blast open and there's an anti-paladin that strides in that's a tiefling, which is classified as an outsider, and he's evil. And I'm like, DM, come on. I know this is supposed to be a set-piece battle, but you're about to be very disappointed. <laughs> Two rounds. Bing, bang, boom. <laughs> so I bring this guy to zero. I turn him, too. So I'm starting a new paladin order just right fucking there because I can. 
the Oracle is going nuts because nobody's paying attention to him. He's not the center of attention. And this is the last time I'm allowed to do like pretty much any of this, unless I'm specifically called out. And we get the information that we have to go to the six nymph groves around this fortress before we can assault the fortress with the barbarian army and the remainder of the commoners of Kios and do all this stuff. I'm like, okay, all right, okay. So we're going to go all the way around and do all this. And we find Baylor and Glabrizu and red dragons and, and caterpillars with faces on their heads. Okay. Human faces. Caterpillars with human faces. I am drunk as fuck. And I am just saying, oh my god, there's caterpillars with human faces. And you and everybody else in the Discord is like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, I have to show you. And that's when I started streaming. So you got to experience how bad this was, because none of you believe me and Seraph about how bad this was. No, we didn't, because uh, it was just so, the, the, the messages you put were just so random and out there, no context, and we're like, wait a minute, what? And you try to explain it, but we just, like, we just weren't getting it. And so we said, you have to start streaming it. We need to be involved in this. We need to watch this, because we need to understand what's really happening. Yeah. And that's when you were given, you, you named the stream. I did. I named the stream. I, I started a Twitch account. My Twitch <laughs> account was the Drunken Pathfinder Paladin. And this was the Drunken Pathfinder Paladin's adventures through the first world and the Unseelie food court. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. Uh, I know many of us tuned in. Uh, we yep. fixed drinks. We had drinks. And there was many a night I would drink till I passed out listening to this thing. And I was dying laughing the whole time. It was yeah. fantastic. All right. So let's go on. Okay. So we go to the six nymph groves. And this is where everything from here on out becomes nymphs. Nymphs, 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 nymphs. Nymphs, nymphs, nymphs. By the way, I told you that my AC sucked mm -hmm. because we were using automatic bonus progression. I didn't have an AC modifier through stats like everybody else did. And I talked to the GM. I'm like, hey, what can we do about this? And he's like, oh, well, we can do this. And so Conrad gains a trait because he's an Asimar, which means he's half celestial, half something else. And because he's in the first world plane, that something else is a nymph. He's nymph-blooded, which means, which means... If I meditate or frolic in a grove for an hour, I can use my charisma modifier as an AC modifier. And since I had maxed out charisma, because again, I'm a paladin, it meant that I was keeping on task with everybody else when I say I just frolic in a grove for an hour every day. So again, something about your character that was decided for you. Uh-huh. But you were complaining about that AC bonus, and so he found a way to get that for you. That he did. It just meant you had to meditate or frolic. You chose to frolic, sir. No, I chose to meditate. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure? I think I remember you frolicking once. Or no, were we just badgering you to one-time choose frolicking? Be you were badgering me to choose frolicking. <laughs> we I remember. To frolic. Yeah, Niall wanted me to frolic. I said no. Yes, that was frolic. a hard pass. <laughs> Okay, so now so, you're part nymph. Awesome. Part... Yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, it was so, a good uh, bonus to your AC now, wasn't it? It was it was a good bonus to the AC, mm -hmm. but it comes with a cost because everything okay. does. Mm -hmm. So we we talk to the assorted nymphs, and the last nymph grove we go to holds a special surprise. This was something that was decided for me. Conrad's ex-girlfriend was at this grove, and she is also a nymph. And she's very interested in seeing Conrad again. Apparently, they parted on very amicable terms with options to, to, to re-engage at a later date. I didn't know any of this. So now so, background information added to your character. You now have an ex, and now you're forced to deal with them. Mm-hmm. This is weird for a campaign that's largely ignored you. Mm-hmm. Now you seem to be somewhat of a focus. Somewhat. For a little bit. So now I have to deal with her. Okay, we're all guys playing this campaign. And so far, we have a, a, a dragon disciple that is the wife of the wizard. The oracle has at least a baby mama somewhere. Seraph is fighting it tooth and nail, and I find out it's because his last character, his ranger that he started this campaign with, ended up getting saddled with one of these these whole relationship things, had a kid, and then disappeared, and the magus he was playing was that kid through time fuckery. And so he was fighting having that happen again. So why do you think the GM was inserting these weird romantic ties into the game? The charitable part of me says it is because he wanted it to be part of the story. He wanted the full experience. The less charitable part of me says he had some serious kinks he needed to work out because there was worse that happened along this vein. So, okay, session. The nymphs are with us. The barbarians are with us. The republicans are with us of Chaos, not actual Republicans. They're never with us. And we storm the Bastille and we win the day. We kill all the succubi. We kill the, the abyssals in charge. We, we now have a... We have a barony that is recognized by the Barbarian King and what's left of the Republic of Chaos, which we then annex. And because we have the Arch Wizard of Thornwall with us, we're automatically recognized by Thornwall. Holy shit. <laughs> and so that's that's how that ends with them deciding it's like, okay, well who's going to who's gonna rule this barony? Now if I'd said yes, I would have had more of a focus. But I said no, specifically because that wasn't what I thought Conrad was fated for. That was his last act of free will in this entire campaign. Ooh. And so the Oracle took over, and that was a very bad idea. So fair warning. I know we said we we're going to do two hours. I found I found the document where I was writing all of this down before oh, we started this it? recording. I found okay. it. I'll mm -hmm. link it. It's okay. not complete. It is nowhere near complete. Mm -mm. Because we've already gone beyond the bounds of this document. Mm -hmm. We're only halfway through the campaign that I was a part of. Mm -hmm. And 
I realized I was writing this document the day I got fired from the job that I was at when I was writing this document. That's why I haven't touched it in four years. I just think it's hilarious. It's not been four years. If it's not been four, it's been what, 2017 three, is when you did three, this. Three years. Yeah. Three years. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 Okay. Okay. So you haven't touched it. Haven't um, touched it. Okay. Okay. And we so, have 40 minutes to record. And if we have to do a second part, I guess we will. We might have to. Okay. okay. Next next session. <laughs> okay. We've we've cleaned up. We've we've taken the the, the thing. And we go into the, the depths of this of this place and we find a Draco Lich Lich. Draco Lich. Undead dragon. Who is apparently a stoned teenager working at a dairy queen <laughs> in the unsealy fucking food court. Whoa. I didn't think anybody would find this place. I've been here for millennia. And I'm like, is he evil? Jam goes, yeah, he's a Draco lick. I'm like, am I going to kill him? No, you can't stop him. He's too powerful. DM, didn't we kill Haster like two sessions ago? Well, he's too powerful. He's he, he's he's important. Okay, fine. He's important. <laughs> Please stop killing my important NPCs. Please stop killing my important I NPCs. I keep making incorrectly. Yes. So, yeah. okay. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. So it turns okay. out that he is the pilot of a flying castle, of which this is the flying castle. And so now I have given the Oracle the keys to a starship, and I'm like, shit. But it doesn't run. It doesn't run. It needs something to run. Okay, that's great. Meanwhile, the the Republicans of Chaos are setting up a, a tournament because uh, a wandering mendicant knight who's also the king of some faraway place, I don't fucking know by now, there's so many kings, wants to hold a tournament, and he's got a treasure map. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And so the the guy goes, okay, well, is there anyone who wants to to fight for this, for this map? I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Whole crowd goes silent. The wizard and the oracle are like, why aren't you doing it? I'm like, because I'm not a trained monkey. I don't tournament on command. And the DM goes, all right, well, roll your wisdom. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, roll your wisdom. I'm like, all right. I have a stupid huge wisdom score. So I ace my wisdom check, and the nymph ex-girlfriend is trying to grab my hand to put it up and volunteer. Again, trying to remove your agency so blatantly. So blatantly. So this is very clearly a set piece. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. I didn't want to do this, but fine. And I'm like, I raise the hand. I step up. We do the jousty thing. I win because I'm supposed to win. <laughs> like, he, he, he trots out this entire new set of rules. He explains the jousting rules. I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. I'm going to do the bare minimum to get through this. And even though I lose every roll, I win every roll. First, okay. I was... Didn't need to be done. Served no purpose. <laughs> no purpose whatsoever. Mind, but had to, be, had to be done. Okay. Had to be done. Okay. So with, with all of the pomp and circumstance of the assistant manager of the Dairy Queen awarding an overtime shift, I get this map to a temple in the middle of the forest. 
which is a cool forest now and not a hunted blood forest because all the nymphs are on our side. I know this because I am part nymph now, and I have a nymph ex-girlfriend who is apparently becoming a nymph girlfriend again. Wow. I know. All I did was stand there. All I did was stand there. Okay. Could be the byline of this entire campaign. <laughs> so we we go to this lost temple that this map conveniently goes to. And it's old and it's decrepit and there's traps and all, all this other stuff and there's riddles we have to solve. There's a very important riddle that we had to solve to get into the, ma the, the last room, which was conveniently next to the first room because this wasn't <laughs> very well planned out. We were supposed to spend, like, what I think was supposed to happen was we hear the riddle, we give what we think is the most obvious answer, it's wrong, and we have to fight and then give another answer. And after we've exhausted all of the answers and fought all of the mobs, the door would open and we would be told that we were wrong. So we hear this riddle. You wake up in the morning and it's dark. You have a candle, a torch, and a lantern. What do you light first? And I immediately go, the match. The door opens, because that's the right answer, because it's the most basic fucking riddle in the book. <laughs> so the GM thought he was being clever, thought he found a riddle, but didn't realize his players. And once again, you've ruined a moment for the GM. Once again. Okay. <laughs> Which, again, the GM should embrace these these victories. He should. Again, GM should be the fan of the player, should embrace it, go, you did it, this is great. You know, and, and, Let's and so. yeah, but that is not what happens. I, I'm sure your GM was rather upset with you. He was a little upset. He was flabbergasted. There were some guests. They were flabbered. And so we find the power source to this floating city, to which I say, that's kind of easy. Are you sure this is the right thing? Yes, it's the right thing. All right. So at this point, we're starting to... I can I can tell the campaign is starting to wind down. And by wind down, I mean it's it's moving towards an epic conclusion because we've been trying to get back to Thornwall for one reason or a fucking another mm -hmm. for what seems to be like it felt like a month, but it was only like a session or two. Mm -hmm. And all of our communications never went through. We found the floating island, there's stuff going on. Forces are at work, et cetera, et cetera. And we're like, all right, well, where's the fucking King of Thornwall that we installed at level six? Oh, well, he's off on some island doing some shit. <laughs> An island? Yeah, there's a mountain on the island. So he's on a... He's taken invasion force to fuck off across the ocean to go to an island that has a mountain on it to do something on the island. Yeah, that's exactly where he is. Okay, why haven't you done anything to go support him? Well, we were waiting for you. This was in character. <laughs> so you let the king go off without any support to go fuck off on a mountain, and you didn't support him because you expected us to do it. Yeah! So we're getting to the part where there's a serious alcoholic haze. Like, there's there's large chunks of this that I don't remember. I have to go back to these terrible, atrocious videos, all of which I saved to go remember what happened. <laughs> and at this point, 
the only reason I am still doing it is because I am entertaining. <laughs> I am ready to go. Seraph's like, why are you still there? I'm like, motherfucker, because you're still there. Even though he hadn't played in weeks. Mm-hmm. And... But I do remember all of us saying, no, 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 you have to keep doing this because it is right. so fun to listen to. It's but so fun to listen to. did start to feel your pain. Yes. So we we go to this mountain looking for the king. There's another encounter at some point. This was part of the whole... Um, this, is, this is when it went from Conrad has some moments to Conrad is a piece of furniture to... I don't like Conrad. I, as the GM, I'm going to try to kill him. Oh, boy. And I distinctly remember this 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 whole chain of events because from the time we started to the time the combat happened, we had been belittled, insulted, or outright antagonized by the Oracle nine times in the span of an hour. That is a shitty comment once every four minutes. Wow. Yeah. Like, what kind of things was he saying? Do you remember? Um, oh, I know. Oh God, right. I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like basically, it's like we our basic competencies as adventurers or even people was being questioned, and we were even calling out, and the wizard and the DM didn't know what we were doing. It's like, oh yeah, Conrad looks at the magus, holds up three fingers, magus nods, magus holds up four fingers. Conrad nods. And we go through all of this, and it was always after the Oracle said or did something shitty, basically hmm. belittling us for being people. And so we're we're in kind of a catacomb, and there's this set of double doors, and I specifically can't feel anything beyond the doors at all, like a complete absence. I'm like, okay, well, the way you're describing it sounds like somebody's actively blocking my my detection of evil and the doors are closed and they're in good condition compared to everything else in this catacomb which has been rotting and we haven't fought anything yet so i as a player know you're about to spring a trap on us now because i had mythic levels i was set up as a as a vanguard from mass effect i had a a super powerful bull rush charge attack which then folded into a full attack so I could do stupendous amounts of damage in one full action. And we open this, these doors up, and there's a room and a long hallway. And the wizard and the magus step out in front, only to get peppered with arrows, because there was a squad of archers and ballista and magic and all this other shit standing just out of line of sight. And what the DM intended was for me to go out first, get attacked, and then do my bull rush charge, and then get impaled on a whole bunch of cavalry spikes that they'd set up because they expected the paladin to go first, even though they didn't know us from the son of Adam. But I was a petty bitch, and so was Seraph. So we let the oracle and the wizard go first, and we closed the doors behind them and waited for three rounds. Wow. And when we opened the door, the only thing we did is we we set up a um, the sword whirlwind spell, and we sent it in the middle of all the other people. And even the DM's like, Conrad, aren't you going to charge? I'm like, not with that kind of obvious question. 
the Oracle and the Wizard can take care of it. Just a maximized non-lethal snowball and everything's fine. Only they couldn't get it to go. So the the passive aggressiveness was gone. It was all aggressiveness after this. I mean, it has to get to a point where you're like, this isn't worth it anymore. Like, this is really just no longer worth it. You had to be dreading. Oh, God. I was I was dreading it every week. But I I went to, to Star's Liquor. They had Bois Genevieve, the finest gin I've ever drank. <laughs> I bought a fifth of that. I had a Costco-sized bottle of gin. I had Costco-sized rum. I drank my way through it. I had 12 packs of good craft beer. I was going through that in the night. Like, I was getting bad. And I dreaded doing this every week. What was the conversation in the Discord like in between games? Was it non-existent? Yeah, it was utterly non-existent. They stopped talking whatsoever, and I would message the GM privately. I'm like, hey, look, there's been repeated times where I felt that the the attitude from these two players has been antagonistic to hostile at best. Do you want me here? Because mm-hmm. I'm willing to just bail if that's the case. And he says, no, it's fine. They like you. I'll talk to them to tone it down. And he didn't. So it kept getting worse and worse. And I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot because I've kept with this as long as I am, but I'm not a complete idiot. So I know that there's serious aggression going on here. So the sessions themselves stopped really mattering. Not that they mattered in the first place. We'd do some talking about stuff. The GM would sit and focus on the Oracle and the Wizard for of the six hours we'd play. Five and a half of those hours would be on these two, and they'd throw an encounter at us. And so the encounters all started going the same way. Everything would attack the paladin, try to kill the paladin. They would fail. And then after we'd we'd clean everything up, the oracle and the wizard would be pissed that I still survived. This happened like five or six times. They were red dragons who used breath weapons to try to kill me, but they got the wizard too, so we had to stop that. (laughs) <laughs> there was a thing with the ballistas and, and the spearmen and the cavalry spikes meant to blunt a charge. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that coming. I stopped that. The thing that got me was we're on this mountain searching for this fucking king. And there's some kind of demon. I don't know what it is, but okay, it's another demon thing, whatever. That is immune to charges, immune to physical damage, can resist holy smite. And has a stamina draining property on its on its attack. If it hits you, it also does a stamina drain in addition to, or a constitution drain in addition to all the damage that it does. So it hits me once, and I go from 18 constitution to 2 constitution, plus I take a bunch of damage. Okay, I'm about to die. Interesting. It hits the wizard. It does a tenth of the damage. It doesn't do the constitution drain. I immediately call this out. It says, oh, well, it's only, a, it's only a rare use ability. I'm like, no, it's not. He tried it on every single attack until he hit me. And you didn't do it to the wizard. Why not? Just don't worry about it. Oh, my gosh. Now, that's just cheating by the GM now. Yes. That's just blatant cheating. Blatant cheating. A set of rules for one player is a different set of rules for another player. Yes. Rules, rules for thee, not for me. Wow. 
And so like, I've already been drinking. I'm mm -hmm. pissed. You know, I'm pissed. Seraph knows I'm pissed. The Twitch chat knows I'm pissed. <laughs> Y'all fuckers are having a great time anyway. Yeah. I love you guys. I get it. <laughs> and so the fight ends and immediately one of the, one of the gods of the plane immediately steps out of this Terran reality and starts talking about how this wasn't supposed to happen, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh God, more exposition where we don't matter. And then he turns to me and I say out loud, don't you fucking dare. Because if I'm going to take this hit, I'm going to own it. It's the only thing I've been able to do for weeks. And he reverses all the damage that was done. The entire fight didn't matter. He was supposed to come in and wipe everything away. And the story was going to continue, and we're just participants watching. So at this point, I've had, I had a fifth of Bois Genevieve, again, the finest gin I've ever drank. I killed 80% of the bottle that night in like four and a half hours. I am gone. I am literally laying on the floor. I've got my Yeti microphone that can hear me. My wife is behind me concerned. Twitch chat is concerned. We're back at base. And before anybody else can say anything, because we're about to go in this five hours where the Oracle and the wizard get to do everything, I says, Conrad is getting up. He's getting out of bed. He's going out to the nearest glade, and he's going to scream to the sky because nothing I do as a player or a character fucking matters in this campaign. And record scratches, everything stops. And the DM's like, fuck, I fucked up. Yeah, no shit. Nymph girl's girlfriend drags me into the room. It's like, what's going on? And I, to this day, don't know how I managed to get this out. But apparently I've been, I've been percolating this, this for a while. And for five straight minutes, I talk about how I've been a plaything of fate, how I've been saddled with this group, how two people treat me as an item of furniture, how they are worse than the people that we've been fighting, and how if this my fate is to be a plaything for the gods, then this is a fate that I refuse because it means that there's no such thing as free will. And if there's no such thing as free will, we all shouldn't exist. I don't matter. I, five minutes, I do this. I remember this. It was very eloquent. It was very impassioned. And amazing that you did it as drunk as you were. Right. Like, yeah. I didn't fuck up a single word. I was, it was amazing. Yeah. No, it was. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, DM, listen to all this. This is what's going on. I've been telling you about this for months. Work with me here. And the the DM through the nymph goes, well, you matter to me. Come to bed. I think at that point you were like, that's it. It fell on that's deaf it. ears. That's, that's it. it. Deaf ears. I'm deaf done. Ears. Mm -hmm. And Sarah messages me and he says, dude, I'm worried about you. And I say, I'm done. And he says, yeah. Yeah, we're done. So I'm passed out on the floor. They're trying to talk to me, I think, until finally <laughs> I can get up. And as they're saying, hey, Conrad, we need to do something with you. I hit the disconnect button. I'm done. I'm gone. I don't listen to them. And Seraph says, all right, I'm killing the Discord. I says, what do you mean you're killing the Discord? And he says, I, I open the Discord on the roll 20. It's it's my game. I asked for a DM and players. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, that's cool. That's fine. That's great. Kill it. And so he sent, like, he had the DM friended. Now the DM said, hey, the Discord and the table are gone. What happened? And he's like, 
Oz and I are done. You're a terrible GM. Tweedledee and Tweedledumber need to not play this game ever again, but y'all are welcome to each other. Fuck off. Put them on band. That was it. Now, I know there's some critical pieces that I missed through all this, and I glossed through the end of it because, like I said, I was drunk as fuck every Friday for this game. Every Friday. We all were. So here are some (laughs) some notable issues. Some like these are not just red flags. These are screaming nuclear warning signs. These are biological contamination. Do not approach. (laughs) The DM had some kinks. I said this. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a significant other except the Seraph's character. Until one was forced on his character because he failed an enchantment resistance role. He got charm personed into having a boyfriend because <gasps> his character was female. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This is just a GM just doing attempt after attempt after attempt and finally just forcing cheating. it. Cheating, yeah. forcing it. I'll right. make you roll. Eventually you will fail. Done. Yes. Wow. Done. Why and... is it so important to the GM that everybody be in a relate? Is it the whole uh, that's how he does hooks? Is that how he advances story? Does he think you, in order to be a well-rounded character, you must be in a relationship? I, I want to know I, why. I, I don't know. But here is that's not the worst part. Okay, so the <laughs> worst part is when I found out that his magist was the daughter of the ranger he was playing, another descendant from the same familial line as his ranger and his magus is the one who cast the charm spell. So she was ensorcelled by her own great-grandchild. Okay, that's shit that I see in a really bad Marvel comic. That's what happened to, like, Miss Marvel <laughs> in one of the Avengers comics. Like, and there's two NPCs... Okay, so all the NPCs were, were hooking up as well during all this. Like, this is very clearly a very forward part of this DM psyche. And there was these two characters. They were identical twins. And they were doing things in their room all the time. And he really wanted us to find out until I stopped the game and told him in no uncertain terms, I know what you're trying to do. If you continue with this... I'm stopping this game, and I will report you to the damn authorities because you need help. Wow. So he was hit, like, he, wow. That he is really wonderful. wanted us to find evidence of incest. Of incest. Yes. He wanted you to. Yeah. Huh. And so, yeah. That's something in a game, like, you don't, like, you don't ever want, like, there's no reason to put that in there. Like, I don't understand. Right. What it's, the motivation was. Like you say, it could be his kink. Maybe it was his cry for help at best. I don't know. Well, here's one other disturbing part. Mm-hmm. He did tell us that both of them looked, like, because they're identical twins, they looked like his half-sister. <gasps> oh, that, yeah. All right, we've hit the disturbing. Yeah, no, that's... Okay, that's that's the X card right there. That's the button. That's the line. At that what at point did you hear? What session did you hear this? This was this was the session before the last one. I'm surprised you weren't out at that session. I was trying, but I was too entertaining. Remember? Oh, you're gonna lay that guilt at our feet because because we were 
peer pressuring you to entertain us like a monkey at a circus? I was being your monkey, yes. <laughs> That's so entertaining. But I do believe we, we did start to feel your pain. Uh, yeah. And I think we all were saying, all right, just end it. If it's this bad, just end it. If it's this um, bad, just end it. But mm -hmm. yes, um, that was the session before the end. And they'd been hinting at it for several sessions until, I mean, it was clearly obvious, but there was a lot of obvious secrets that I'm like, I literally no longer care about the Oracle secret history. He's his own grandpa. I don't care. He's his own grandpa. <laughs> These twins are, are sleeping with each other. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I am half nymph dating a nymph. If I have children, they're three-quarter nymph. They may as well be nymph. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Just point me at something to kill. And if you can't do that, I'm going to drink. I'm going to play Little John for my Twitch stream. And <laughs> I'm going to pass the fuck out. And nobody's going to notice. It was Quad City DJs that you played. I played Quad City DJs at the start of every stream. <laughs> And I played it again every time we got railroaded. I played a lot of Quad City DJs. It to was this, great. <laughs> to this day, if something, if I even mention a railroad, Bamps will link <laughs> Quad City DJs and he'll at me on the WAN server <laughs> because he knows it will give me PTSD. And he's right. And it does. It Every became, time, it became it became your uh, yeah your, your anthem. I mean, it it, it is it, it was linked so many times. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I know the song by heart. Every by time heart. it on, it was like yes, I know exactly what this means. Not what the original intent was, but I know what it means to us now. Yes, um, I remember eggs. Eggs. Being a thing. It was always an egg order happening in the game. Yes! Oh what my god. What it with eggs? I don't know, but yeah, that was always the food service thing, is every morning when we'd wake up at the start of the session, there'd be somebody cooking eggs, asking us what kind of eggs we wanted. Where were we going to get our eggs? We couldn't do anything unless we had eggs. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to steer it away from incest and put it right into eggs. Into eggs. And so, <laughs> yes, to this day, I still say consume egg because <laughs> that's the ritual before the game would start. You would consume yes. egg. I remember the sessions always started with it's morning, you're having breakfast. The guy comes to take your order. How do you want your eggs? Want your eggs. And it was like, why do we have to have this scene? Yeah, it was, it was the ritual. Eggs? He was so obsessed with eggs. <laughs> And I'm like, sir, I am in a forest, a magical forest filled with nymphs. They do not raise chickens, sir. <laughs> he insisted. You guys always ate eggs. Now, that I do so recall. Weird. I recall at one point, I even asked in and out of character, where is our supply chain? We have no <laughs> wagons coming in. Nobody has any arable farmland. And every road is beset by bandits. How are we feeding all of these people with eggs, of all things? Oh, we just magically create food. Oh. That's convenient. That is convenient. But yeah. eggs. Eggs. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> it was it was it was very much a thing. It was a 
almost like a tick like yeah the game couldn't go on until we did this until until there were eggs you know maybe it was like part of mk ultra or something where he was trying to like brainwash us into being perfectly obedient players if he said how do you want your eggs then you know the the brain fuzz would happen and we'd be brainwashed into doing as he said because that is an mk ultra thing but the problem with this is that it also requires copious amounts of LSD, and by damn, he didn't provide any. Give me some LSD. Drop me some acid. I probably would have had a lot more fun. <laughs> Instead, I just drank a lot. Mm-hmm. And drinking a lot is great on its own, but in terms of the unseely food court, it was not enough to dull the pain. So, uh, let's just say, let's just say, all the red flags you encountered throughout your time in this game, how many would you tally? I would tally individual. If I if I went with individual red flags, there are mm-hmm. too many to count. There are upwards of probably eighty red flags. We'd okay. we'd have ten to fifteen red flags per session. Okay. If I went by category, mm-hmm. we would have um, the the other players being dismissive and antagonistic. We would have the GM utterly not caring about the character sheets or backstory of their characters. Um, we've got the uh, the railroading, the complete removal of private player agency. I'm at five. Um, encounters that don't matter. That's six. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, every every uh, every session had a whole bunch of narration where we're being told and not shown. Mm-hmm. Girlfriends for everybody, the twins, uh, who the twins reminded him of, and the eggs, I think we're at eight. And just, it's it's a yellow flag, but the whole bored food service worker attitude. Mm-hmm. It is a yellow flag, because I'm terrible at voices, and when I do NPCs, they're pretty much just this voice right here. Maybe Two different point. intonation, but... I'm not going to fault the GM because they can't do voices. I'm never, cause yes. I, I can't. I no, I can't, I can't fault. I can't fault a GM for doing the voices, but to have somebody who's got the, he's, he's got every NPC has a name. Every NPC has a character sheet. Every NPC has a lineage. Those lineages all have character sheets. He's got sheaves of notes on all of these people, but they all sound, and act exactly the same. And that is the difference because you may not be able to do the voices, but they act differently. If you're playing an orc chieftain who's brash, they act brash, even if they don't have the voice. If you have a merchant who is having entirely too much fun telling stories, that's how he acts, even if not how he sounds. Mm -hmm. This guy same intonations, same actions, same everything. They were copied clones of one another. They were just character sheets with the same voice. Hmm. That's the difference. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, uh, in cat- eight different categories of red flags, numerous red flags, one yellow mm-hmm. flag. Yet you lasted four months? Something like that. Yeah, four months. I think four it was months. about, yeah. About four months. You took one month off due to vacation, but four months. 
and and you stuck in it. It wasn't like until you finally just you know in an impassioned in character speech voiced your problems hoping that the gm would hear you and the other players would hear you and realizing they were not ever going to yes that was the final straw that right was i i held out hope that they would see the light that i could change them and this is important for anybody listening there comes a time where it becomes clear that in at that table and including in real life there are some things you cannot change and that you are going to do yourself damage by staying and trying to fix them. You did. And you did a lot of damage to your liver. It's recovered. <laughs> You've done a lot of damage um, just to your mental state during that time. You were, you. I mean, like we said, you dreaded game day. We looked forward to it. You dreaded it. I did. I would like to think that because we were there sharing all of it with you, we helped a little, but probably not because I think we just enabled it. I you enabled it, but it also <laughs> did help because I did enjoy being a source of entertainment because I do like to tell stories. I am a storyteller. Mm -hmm. So you told the story of a, of a very bad game. Yeah, of of perhaps yeah. the worst game. The worst game. It it seemed like just from the the outset of it, it seemed like from the very outset this was not going to be good. And I think if Seraph wasn't in this game, you'd have bailed a lot sooner. I think so. Um, I I mean, you're one to to do that. You're one to just go look. This isn't gonna work, and walk away. You're you're mm -hmm. not one to to you know stick around if you see it being bad. But I think because Seraph was in it, you you tolerated it. You tolerated much more than you normally would. Yes. I do find you do that as a player as well. We're you know. In other games, if if it's not like a hundred percent meshed, you would tolerate it. Uh, I've been in a game with you where I mean it just went off off the rails on like the first session. We were like, all right, we're done. We're out. We're out. This is done. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think you would normally bail a lot sooner, but on this one, you stayed in longer than you normally would have. I think it was just because of Seraph, I'm not quite sure. Well, there there's a couple of things. And part of this was <laughs> I had uh had and do have uh, anxiety issues as well as some some mental issues. It's not bipolar disorder, but it's something kind of approximating it. And I was untreated during that whole time. Mm. So there is there is there's a non-zero amount of self-loathing that was going on there. I'm like, maybe I deserve this. Maybe I was too harsh on my players in the living community. Uh, spoiler alert, I wasn't. <laughs> and then, and even before then, I would tolerate a lot because I thought that's simply how things were done. And it's not. And I am a lot more likely now to bail or at least bring it up publicly and not just privately if i think there's an issue like in a previous campaign i was starting to get some of those same inklings that you know the care i thought the rest of the party didn't like my character and so after i think maybe two sessions of it i set out publicly like hey things are seeming kind of hostile i know my i can get a little bombastic is everything okay did 
do you still want my character around? Because we're at a good spot. I can bring in something else. Or if this is, if if you feel that this is harshing your mellow, then I'll step out. And they realized that they were unconsciously being kind of shitty, and they they picked up on it. They mellowed out, and it ended ended up being a great game. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, my go to is like if there's a problem, like okay. This is kind of going on. Are you okay? And if if you feel as a player that your character is not meshing at the table, I encourage you to ask the rest of the table, hey, is everything going all right? I'm doing this. Is that going to be a problem? Now, this is stuff that should come up in session zero, but you never know. Not everything comes up in session zero. Not everything comes up in session zero. So it should be a consistent mode of communication you could always have that give and take is mm-hmm. something going on no you're doing great is there a problem out of character yes or no are we bridging that divide mm-hmm. and if this is going to be like a constant source of tension then if everybody's going into it with eyes wide open that can make some great stories we're seeing that in the vampire game mm-hmm. but this was something else this was something where nobody was willing in the in the in the unsealy food court, nobody was willing to say, "I'm straight up not having a good time," except me. But I kept on getting promises that it would be handled, and it wasn't. So there is that false hope there until finally they just stopped trying, and it was just mm-hmm. inertia. So uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're you're fine. You're fine. I'm just right. I'm going to keep going, and I we're shouldn't. approaching our two hour mark, and we, we have are. to uh, we have to cut. But I think ultimately what I would hope anybody listening to this, this was a very detailed and painful uh, look at a very bad game. And it was tolerated for way too long. So I would hope anybody that's listening, if you're in a game, like take a moment to really assess, is this a good game? Am I just tolerating it? Do I need to have a conversation or do I just need to bail? Don't spend four months putting yourself through hell. There's just no benefit at the end. There isn't. Just walk away. Just walk away. It's okay. Nobody's going to hate you. It's okay. No. Yeah. But thank you for telling it. I feel like we could have gone another hour with all the things. Yeah. Uh, um, But it was was a terrifying game. Yes. (laughs) Um, This was just me describing the sessions and and the Mm -hmm. big red flags. I'm sure we could do a back and forth for another two hours on on mm-hmm. questions and answers, but I can't believe I'm going to say this. I do have, of all the recordings I did, I have them all saved. <gasps> do you really? I do. Oh I have my all God. of them saved. They're they're in OBS, so we had the we had the roll twenty window and all of the audio. That's all there. I have been sitting on them in my drunken shitposting videos folder for three years. And if I can find a way to cut them, mm-hmm. I would do so and I could post them and you could see how terrible it was. But I'd have to get permission from Sarah first. He would probably yeah. say yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, something to look forward to. And anybody, if you're listening and you would really like to to see those recordings or hear those recordings, please let us know. Uh, you can contact Oz directly in the Without a Net uh, server or DM him. I'm sure he's happy to um, talk uh, about myself. Yeah. Talk about himself. Talk about this game. Um, if you think the campaign you heard tonight sounded interesting, 
He will be happy to give you bullet points of what those can what that campaign is, and you can run it for your table. I, I mean, maybe there's some things in there, elements that are interesting that could be used, recycled, who knows. Uh, but I do have to cut this short because I'm late for a game. So <laughs> so am I. Uh, thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. And again, looking forward uh, to next year coming back for season two. And I hope all of you can join. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. I can't believe I went through that again, but I love, <laughs> I love my audience. So I had to do it. Thank you.